Activate your energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, Sam Frost, and here with me every single week is... (laughs) Daniel Wilcox. How did that feel, Sam? I mean, I've heard you say it so many times. And it felt good because I was waiting until I could see you taking the inhale. There's always an inhale before we start recording because it has to be a clean break. You can't start by going, mm-hmm. oh, welcome. You have to pause. So I knew it was about to happen and I was like, I'm going to jump in. You stole it. And who else is here, Samantha Frost? Um, Me, Samantha Frost. Hello. Hello, Samantha Frost. How in the devil are things going? I've also got a pug. Hey. But you can't see him on the screen. But he is next to me. Um, hmm. Not very well, still. Oh, I don't know if you can hear him. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not very well still. Uh, Today is... I was just saying to you before we started recording, like, people who uh, watch instead of listen, you'll notice um, as I move around that I am not just sat on bed, but I am in my bed today. Um, and I've got a jumper that extends from my neck to my ankles. Yeah. Because part of um, whatever the hell all of this stuff that's going on is, um, from time to time, I just can't keep anything down. I get really, like, sick. Um, and so, yeah, today I am bleeding heavily and throwing up a lot. <laughs> the British NHS so, system, everyone. I've been better, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I'm assured I'm not dying, so. Yeah, well, I mean, from, well, if you can hear the dogs, someone's knocked at the door. Um, How dare they? From the context of last week's episode, for people that listen to that, obviously, like, I kind of mentioned there that, like, we're doing our best to keep this going. Uh, things on both sides of the screen yeah. are very, very difficult at the minute. Can you hear the dogs? A little bit, yeah. Oh, but not like crazy. Yeah. My mother's dog has reached the age in which it doesn't matter what you say to her, she will not stop barking, and it is oh, yeah, Pandy, yeah. horrendous. But you just have to tolerate it. It's like the ultimate like stoic training. It's just got to be like, <laughs> she'll stop soon. <laughs> Ride the wave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, for people who are listening for the first time, God bless you. Welcome. I'm glad you found the Activated yeah. Authors podcast. Um, Hi. You've joined us at a very weird time, just because. I'm sorry health-wise for Sam and personal-wise for myself are very, very complex right now. And so there will be parts of that leak into the show because very much the whole ethos of Activated Authors is transparency, is honesty, yeah. is, you know, there's no point us being all bubbly all the time if it's not going to represent what you guys are going to go through with your writing journeys because... It's unrealistic no... and yeah. it's actually damaging, I think, because you portray this veneer of what it is to be something. And because no one is that thing, not even the people that are, you know, pretending to be that thing mm-hmm. if you aren't that thing it makes you feel like you can never be yeah a writer or or whatever you know um it is that you're aspiring to be that's like kind of outside of the mainstream um 
yeah so I think I'm completely with you in the sense that it's difficult life in general um I saw something today Viola Davies um a clip of an interview that she did and she said life isn't always about like healing and moving on because you know when you heal you feel better and it's like go she's like life is often about being bruised and being battered and keep going anyway mm-hmm. and like you know you don't always have the luxury of sitting in a cave for 10 years until you reach enlightenment life is beautiful and it's brutal and it is all of the things in between and none of that stops because you want to be a writer or you know an actor or what's the um an astronaut what's the i can't remember who who says it that very famous quote about life's not about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain Mm, yeah i don't know but yeah it is and so yeah there's no point in us just you know putting our (laughs) baggage down (laughs) And just like smiling and everything's fine all the time because yeah. it just it projects a false image that can be harmful to people. I just think the most frustrating thing for like my side of things is because I am very much a sharer, is mm. there are things that I cannot share. And that really like I find that very, very difficult because it's like it, it sounds a lot like I'm teasing people. And you know, in back in when I used to do the next level authors podcast, there was a lot of like the thing as in teasing of kind of upcoming projects and stuff. Yeah. But you know, yeah, this, this really, is life. this it's really different. is like I cannot, I cannot talk yeah. about it. Yeah, it's the one thing that I kind of want to speak about most of all, yeah. um, because of how all-encompassing and uh, bullshit it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's where we're at at the minute. Um, <laughs> what is going on at the minute in your creative life, Sam? Because you're doing something at the minute. I am doing something at the minute. So, I'm doing several things at the minute, actually. Um, but the main one which is what I believe you are hinting towards, is I am uh, competing in Nano and I am part of the 50K camp. Whoop, whoop. Hell yeah. So I'm enjoying that, actually, because um, it's been a while since I first drafted. Um, And I've really realised that that's my... I was going to say that's my comfort zone, but that's wrong. First drafting isn't my comfort zone with anything, whether that's like rehearsing, drawing, anything, anything that you could like put under the umbrella of first draft is actually agony for me um, because the way my pathology works is I need people to tell me if something's good. I need permission. I need all of those things. I have very little faith and trust in my own voice on a blank page. Um, So what that process looks like for me is an arduous war in my head constantly saying there is no right answer which triggers me because I'm like there has to be because like I need to know what it is so I don't get punished for the wrong answer and like it it's this like constant battle in a voice going on going on going on um and until I get to kind of the end of that first draft and then when I start to whether that's a sketch whatever um and then when I start to like delve into the second draft, that's where I can breathe out because the decisions have been made and now it's just time for like me to start playing with the paints. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, but it's it is easier this time around because I'm rewriting um a novel. So a lot of the decisions have been made. I would very much argue that that is a um outline. 
yeah yeah um yeah so i think i just in case i haven't mentioned it on here um before i know i've spoken about air to the universe writing it for my niece i talk about that all the time like shut up we get it um but i'm now rewriting that um it is the same story it's the same characters but i'm writing it with my own tastes in mind so that i can publish it as kind of like a dark fantasy book yeah um I, I wasn't, it's funny because <laughs> I remember when I first was writing it in the first boot camp um, and me and Dan worked together for a short while, um, just him like helping me with some of like my prose and stuff. And I remember like shooting over a bit and, and saying like, is this too dark? Because obviously I was aiming for a much younger audience. Mm. And it's funny because the things that I thought were too dark are, are nothing now because I, <laughs> I can do anything I want. And quite literally, like, the first... As I read the first paragraph to you that I've drafted, and, like, it really does set the tone, I think, for for the rest of what I'm going for. Yeah. And it's just... It's really nice to know the road... Um, and yet be surprised by it because I'm putting in lots of different things. I'm taking some of the more kind of cliche, happy-go-lucky kind of stuff out. Um, and so there's, there is like a refreshing vibe to it for me because it is, it's, it's almost like I'm second drafting, even though I'm not, because, you know, I have like a good, strong idea of where I'm going. Um, and I was going to say something else, but my brain is so <laughs> like Mush. all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a beautiful thing about yeah. this kind of kind of work is you know, it's it's the feeling of a second draft, but at the same time, it's not because mm-hmm. I find that I'll write the first draft and the first draft, like I enjoy writing the first draft because you know the possibilities are limitless, but also at the same time, you're like because of where I fit on the panzer plotter spectrum, a lot of it is still very high energy high effort on my side to find the story and to tell the story in a way that i'm happy with that's exactly it so then taking that gap taking that break the next time i revisit that page i'm like oh this does make sense or oh this really doesn't make sense and you just see everything much more clearly which is why as we've kind of said to the the 50k writing camp people this week you know write that first draft yeah Yeah, just reach the end not perfect just move forward keep writing forward get that first draft done everything is so much easier after that. And I think that's why when I do like first draft the very first time I write so quickly mm-hmm. because I have to get ahead of my brain. Yeah. You have to outrun your imposter yeah. syndrome. Yes. And that's what, I was, that's, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. We're pretending um, to run for people listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just silence while me and Dan like goofily. Just in case you like. <laughs> um, it's allowed me to slow down. Yeah. Like immeasurably, because in a first first draft, it doesn't matter if it's shit, it doesn't matter you don't know what's going on, it's about telling yourself the story. Well, I know the story. So like I am first drafting, so I'm not being, you know, I, I I'm not laboring over word choice and all that kind of thing, but I can be more deliberate. 
which invites a slower pace, which mm. is much more like congruent to where I am currently because I am really not very well. Yeah. I'm on a lot of medicine. And if I, th- I think if I tried to write fast, it would be like trying to read a doctor's note. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. What go. are you working on creatively after I just spent a good like uh, 25 hours explaining what I'm doing? All the things. All yeah. the things. I Yeah, I've been a busy boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been a busy boy, well, I have. been a busy boy, I have. Um, so, as we've mentioned, the 50K Writing Camp, which is following um, NaNoWriMo's 50,000 Words in 30 Days Challenge, has officially started. So, as of recording, it's Thursday, 2nd of November. We had our welcome on the Monday Yesterday, everyone started putting fingers to keyboard and running their own races. And it's really nice. Like, I love this part because I jump over to our tracker and I can kind of mm-hmm. see where people are and, and how well they're doing. And we've got like, I, I mean, we say this every year, but we've got a fantastic group of people this year. Yeah. Um, it's nice that we've got some people from years ago. We've got some people that joined in the last year. and We've got people that have joined just for this camp. Some brand new people. It's mm-hmm. really, really nice. I love it when new people come in because you you particularly attract a certain type of person I call them I don't know if you saw what I wrote I call them fits because they're misfits that have now found a home oh so yeah we got loads more new people so that's all kicking off um and I mean I won't do the maths just while we're on it now but collectively like most people like if not everyone is pretty much on target right now we're mm-hmm. hitting their 50,000 some people have far exceeded it uh saying their names but you listen to this podcast and I'm talking to you my friend you know you know who you are um i (laughs) the info stack bundle that i was advertising last week has wrapped up that's now gone forever but a bunch of people have bought you get a crap load of writer resources they're incredible um but that was a, a privilege to be a part of for myself my brand new book dream which i'll hold up to the camera is now live you mean you mean that guy oh yeah where i fucking belong <laughs> exactly pride of place my friend <laughs> but yeah so the this cute little paperback came um at the beginning of this week went live on tuesday and is also on the other stories podcast uh with featuring narration from yourself which i think i've mentioned yes. on this podcast yes i'm um, cheshire cat sam is the cheshire cat so jump on over and listen to sam's sultry voice delivering those <laughs> very uh I'll, I'll add it for intrigue, Egyptian-laced tones. Oh, and I will add for um, clarification, at no point do I attempt an no. Egyptian accent because I am a white woman uh, <laughs> and I'm going to go in that maelstrom of, like, bullshit. Yes. Um, so those are some of the things that have been going on. My project for the 50K Writing Camp is uh, I am writing a book on how to write a book that is tentatively titled How to Write a Book Book. Um, so matter. <laughs> It's so meta. But like, yeah, I've been putting this idea together for well over a year now. And I've gotten to the point now where I'm just like, I mean, we say it a lot, like you get to a point where it just hurts not to write it. Mm-hmm. So I'm about, so I started it a bit before Nano. I'm about 40% of the way through. So I'll find something else to to do once this book is wrapped up because I don't think it will fill the full 50K, but I've got some other things I want to do. Um. And then, yeah, just some, it's been a weird week. I've been um, approached by quite a few different people about appearing on podcasts, coming onto uh, virtual conferences. Um, mm-hmm. I had a talk literally just before this call about appearing on one of these sort of quite well-known productivity apps as like a featured creator, um, which is very, very exciting. So mm-hmm. more info as I have when that comes out. And 
not at all is any of this masking the fact that personal life is an absolute <laughs> dumpster fire right now. So I'm trying to find things to keep you busy. Yeah. And right. I'm going to say it on here as well. Because I said it on Instagram, but I'm going to say it on here. I am so, so, so proud of you. Like, you, and I, like, I already know before I start saying this, none of it's going to touch you, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Not only, you know, are you an inspiration, and I mean that genuinely, to people in a community that you so beautifully and lovingly created to be a safe space for people to be an example of what an author actually is and I don't mean that you're the paragon of an author I mean you never try to dictate how anyone should do anything you let people know that there is a path for everyone like you said yesterday and today you know you run your own race Mm -hmm. but you never shy away from talking about the grit and the shit and you know the tears and everything else that life is that doesn't happen in a vacuum outside of of all of these like fun projects and you know if we're fortunate enough accolades and all that kind of stuff that happens not only all of that not only the fact that you 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 practice what you preach you see things through you like are proof to me all the time that if you just persist and keep going things will happen things will change you make me like have hope when I've lost it and you are a man of such grace and dignity and integrity and character and I think if ever there was a time where that has shone the brightest it is these past couple of months where you've had to dig into who you are so hard because of everything that you are going through and so I just on the record want to say that I am so so proud of you and on behalf of everyone at Activated Authors and anyone that listens like thank you for just being who you are and and sharing that with people because it matters and it makes a difference and like I say I know none of this has touched you but hopefully (laughs) at some point in the future when things have calmed down a little bit and you know you can maybe listen back and some of it might I'm going to show real personal growth here and not make a joke (laughs) thank you I appreciate it um into business so something (laughs) my point (laughs) damn it um no I do appreciate that it has yeah I there's there's no way to kind of like talk about again like what's happening without digging into the the crux of it but like it is one of the most emotionally draining and painful struggles I've had to face and it is like I I'm one of those people that I do very much look on the bright side of stuff and you know all this creative stuff is my bright side and activated authors is my bright side um but it doesn't make it easy by any stretch no but yeah no I am I am very very proud of the community that has been built i'm proud of everyone that jumps in um i've got a win that we'll jump into shortly which i'm insanely proud of mm-hmm. but uh something that we do have to attend to um is our word of the week because four weeks ago 
I believe was the last time we updated this because of different Druxy, episodes and different with Druxy. So our word of the week, and again, for people who might be new to this podcast, every week we do a word of the week that we challenge you to try and incorporate into a sentence with a well, someone around you who doesn't pick up on the fact you've used a slightly weird word. So the minute they go, what does that mean? You've lost. Yep. So yep. try and it's win. It's like the game. You're welcome at everybody that grew up in the 90s because you've just lost it. Damn. <laughs> I don't know if that transcends to the like US or if that's the UK exclusive. I don't thing. know. I don't the same know. Same way as the keyboards that were like DJ, 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 DJ. Ciao, ciao. Bearing in mind, me and Sam grew up like two hundred miles away from each other. We yeah. still had the same keyboards <laughs> at school. Yeah. So the word of the week was Druxy, and Druxy means something that looks beautiful on the outside but is rotten in its core. So, did, as I said at the time, basically, most of my exes. Not yeah. all of them, because some of them were gross to look at as well. I don't know yeah. what I was thinking. And did you manage to use Druxy? I have used it? it so many times. <laughs> I've used it so many times. I um, th- There's been a few times where I've used it where I would say it didn't count. So, obviously, whenever me and Dan are talking and we drop the word, that doesn't count because no. like, we know what's point? going on. I used it on a... um one of the live streams when you were uh, here with me with the Activated Authors Bunch, but I think that was after the episode had aired, so I don't mm. think that would have counted because, like, so. once it's out, like, you know, but I did use it then. But I used it on... Uh, no, was Druxy? Yes. Oh, we're going to talk about this on air. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I used it with my sister, I think, was, like, the first time I did it. I mean, this is about 500 um, years ago, so... <laughs> But yeah, I am. Um, oh my God. Yeah, I'm sure it was Rhiannon. But yes, I've used it many times and with Miles, but it doesn't count with Miles because you ruined that for me by doing. Oh, no, you say it. Air your shame. Let's see if I can find the message so I can actually word it there. <laughs> um, you do some filler while I find the message. So often. Um, I'll get a text from from Dan saying um, I'm having a conversation with your son because um, my boy is 13 now um, and obviously me and his father have not been together um, for a very long time and a couple of birthdays back his dad got him a phone so that they could kind of talk to each other without having to constantly go through me which I think is a like a, a lovely a lovely thing and it was funny because for the first couple of years it was trying to remind him that he had a phone and to text his dad and now he's 13 it's trying to remind him that his phone is not his hand um that which is a losing battle at this stage but yeah so they will often like miles will often send dan just random pictures of of things or jokes or that kind of thing and i believe this was one such occasion where he asked you a ridiculous scenario he he messaged me uh saying what would you do if you had a drink and passed out and woke up in a wooden horse carriage and some guy says ah you're finally awake which for people who are familiar with skyrim the video game is how the game begins and and so which is quite a normal thing for my son to ask considering some of the stuff that he texts you yeah and so i replied (laughs) saying i'd probably stick my finger up in the nose eat a twix dance a jig and then lollygag into the woods to find some droxy maiden uh to which I then got a message back saying, mum said you're a dick. Because <laughs> I was in the bath and I, could, I heard him like up the stairs and he was like, mum, mum, like that's really funny. Listen to what he replied to this. I text him and he said it. And I just went, ah, tell him he's a dick. Mm-hmm. Just so, uh, 
suffice to say i didn't i haven't managed to use it because that was that was when things were quite uh like relevant they were they were like we were fresh off the episode that kind of stuff um and honestly like i've been so waylaid the last month that i've just yeah. not outside of like randomly in chats with you which obviously as we say don't count um but suffice to say i failed on that one i will try harder on the next one which is snurdle so this I'm week's right now this week's word of the week is snurdle which means to wrap up cozily beneath the covers and hold off the day for just a little longer and this is one of uh susie dent's recommended words for for this season but snurdle what a good word because it sounds like snuggle it also sounds like i don't know if you've ever watched uh the tv show that was like the three raccoons and then like the bad guy was this like pink aardvark thing with a cigar like it sounds like his name wasn't it the raccoons wasn't it called it the raccoons? Just been called the raccoons yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like snurdle to me sounds like a character from that show yeah because his nose was like yeah it was freaky um, yeah it was freaky so the challenge for all of you guys listening is to try and include Snurdle into a sentence with an unsuspecting victim around you without them raising a point of saying, what's Snurdle mean? That's so, going to be easy for me. My son Snurdles every single morning. Uh, yeah, but you can't you can't use it on him while he's Snurdling. <laughs> yes, I can. No. Um, but <laughs> if you manage to use that word successfully, we'd love to hear from you. So jump on over into our free Discord, which you can join at activatedauthors.com. Speak to us on Instagram, on YouTube, drop us an email, all the usual places. We'd love to hear how people are using their words when they're snurdling. And as I think we mentioned in a previous episode, sometimes we get extra words. Eden introduced us to slut, which means end in Swedish, I think, which was wonderful. It's, the, one, of, it's one of Dan's favourite things to do is if we're like out, and we're in like a shop or something and he's finished looking <laughs> he's looking he just says really loud so the entire shop can hear him we're done here uh so that and <laughs> and to add to that list now is like he'll just he'll finish saying what he's saying he'll look at me and just be like slapped <laughs> <laughs> i i think i might finish every book i ever finished now by writing slut yeah i think that will make me happy um so that's the word of the week stuff our win from the community this week comes from none other than the insanely talented Panagiotis, who has set, well shared with our group that, hey friends, I just got a deal to have my book in the airports around the country, and I have appointments with bookshops lined up for next week. Which, like knowing Pan's journey, and number well, number one knowing Pan's journey, number two knowing how like modest this guy is, like <laughs> this is a guy who was struggling to finish his book two years ago uh i'd only written i think and i hope i really hope you don't mind me sharing this pan i'm sure you don't i had only written about fifty thousand words of the book in like 10 years joined mm-hmm. activated authors finished the final one hundred thousand words in six months mm-hmm. edited 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 put that book out and is now out signing at cons has his book going into airports all this amazing stuff so like you are a valued member of the community and we're incredibly incredibly proud of you we are indeed i've got his because i was showing you the there it is now. I was showing it on the camera during a sprint, wasn't I? Yeah. So here it is. Look at that beautiful book. The Life, the of, Life fire. of Fire. It's a beast. It is a beast. Look at that. Mm. It's beautiful. Love it. So I highly con- recommend. Available on Amazon. Hell Link yeah. In the show notes. Congratulations, Pan. Um, into the question now. What you got? What I'm asking the question. This week? I'm asking the question. Oh, what, what have I... you enjoyed this week, Dan? Oh, that's a leading question, isn't it? <laughs> what have I enjoyed this week? Uh, 
I shall we skip. Do you want to skip the instruments? No, I got a lot of hugs from my niece, who is like yeah, you did. three months old now. So yeah, yeah. there you go. She smells like baby. Yeah. And I have enjoyed listening to uh, The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And the more episodes I listen to, the more sure I am that the TV series will not be for me. Yeah. <laughs> We've discussed this at length. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few more episodes since that one where I'm like, ooh, I don't think I need to see this dramatised. <laughs> yeah, I do want to listen to the full thing. I've, 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 I think I stopped on like the final two episodes of the TV show because it takes a bit of a weird twist. Um, but it is a phenomenal TV show. I'm on act two now. There you go. This week's question. Go for it. What is a voice and how do I get mine? <laughs> that was beautifully read. Number get... one bit of advice. Don't go to a sea witch and beg to be a land dweller. <laughs> no. Or don't. Or, or beg for a voice because she'll take your legs. The same. Same, same, but different. Um... Well, obviously, in this context, voice is referring to um, how you sound on the page. Um, and ideally, your voice wants to be something that if someone were to start uh, reading a book or a story or something that you've written without seeing it was by you um, and they were familiar with your work, they could say, oh, this is this this is very like Dan Wilcox, mm-hmm. um, for example. And I think it is one of those things that people put a lot of pressure on themselves very early to have. It's the same, like, as an artist, um, people, you know, I don't have my own style or I don't have my own stroke, like, you know, what, however people say it. So um, for me, that's a voice. I think, is there anything I've missed on what a voice is? No, not particularly. As you say, it's very much characteristic of... It, it, it's a way that people could identify you without seeing your name on the page mm-hmm. like very much like i know from from my genre i know how ray bribery writes i know if i'm reading something ray bribery what to expect um we were talking this prince about dean Koontz earlier who really is very much a, a descriptive writer so yeah. when you're reading dean Koontz, you're not going to get the same experience as if you were reading for example a lee child because mm-hmm. their um writing style is much more thinner because it lends to the genre they're they're in but yeah. it's yeah, it's it's your kind of signature that makes a book yours, which mm-hmm. I get, I understand is an abstract concept, but I'll add more in a minute. Sorry, I was just yawning. Not at you, just at life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you're looking, you know, if to get your own voice, whether it's something that you've been writing for a while and you don't feel like you've got your own voice, or you're kind of starting out and it's paramount to you to have your own voice. I think kind of in both instances, the advice is the same, which is things like voice don't often just happen. No. It is the same as with any kind of skill. It's about repetition and it's about um, emulating other things, other people, other techniques. And then as you get familiar with those things, picking and choosing from the things that you like and that will happen quite organically really it's not like I'm gonna read a load of books and say okay I'm so sorry for your name it's not like I'm gonna read a load of books and then say okay I want like 50% Gaiman and like 20% Atwood 
and 30% Wilcox. And I'm going to mix that all together and that's going to be my voice. You know, it doesn't work that way, obviously, because that would be insanely difficult to do for one and just, it's a bit weird. Um, But what happens is you start to pick up on kind of turns of phrase, inflections, the way descriptions are, how descriptive something is, how you like scenes introduced, how you like characters to be like the amount of description you like the amount of kind of backstory you like exposition supposition all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and as you learn that stuff it will naturally start to feed in how you write and then you will like have your own personality that is just inherent in you that mixes with all of those kind of techniques and stuff and that's when a voice occurs but that stuff doesn't happen without writing and practicing it's not something that kind of you can generally just go, this is my voice. Like, you know. Which which is what a lot of people start with. Um, and, and this is myself included. I remember when I first kind of turned myself to writing, I'm like, I'm Daniel Wilcox as a person, so I must have a voice. I must have a style. And arguably, you know, people do. But um, one of the things that it's worth bearing in mind is that when, you know, everyone kind of gets their first sample of creative writing tends to be throughout the school system. Mm-hmm. And a school system, again, like not to bash on it too much, but a school system tends to funnel people into a very particular way of being so that they can grade you and mark you in a certain way. And so mm-hmm. when we come out of school and when we start looking at creative writing and all this kind of stuff, what we've learned so far is very much what education has taught us, like traditional education has taught us in the way of how we should write. And so mm-hmm. we kind of went what well, and, you know, I'll, I'll use some examples here without obviously getting too specific, but like in reading through some of the anthologies that I've put together over the years, including the flash fiction one, uh, even if you've got the same prompt, you get a lot of very, very similar stories that are mm-hmm. written quite similar because yeah. These are clearly early writers. These are clearly people that haven't yet, you know, practiced enough to have developed their own voice. And that's not a criticism. That's just part of the process. No. Like we all we all begin there. But like I'm sure you've had this experience reading through some of the um, submissions mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, you're reading it and you're going, this is very um, what I kind of argue is clean writing. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. as a as a, to kind of like expand on that example, I I once one of my books I gave to a non-native English speaker who had learned English speaking very, very comprehensively because yes. they wanted to read the book for reviews. Mm-hmm. What I got back uh, that I hadn't asked for, but, you know, arguably was very, very helpful, was <laughs> a story that was littered in red comments because how I wrote didn't adhere to the baseline of what good English is. So mm-hmm. if you go very much by the book in how a sentence should be constructed, how long sentences should be, the type of wording, all that kind of stuff, she had clearly picked up on my voice, which isn't taught as the way that English should be spoken because, you know, there needs to be a baseline to people who are non-English speakers to learn. Um, and everything that was voiced, everything that was individual in that story was underlined, red penned, like, this isn't working. Which, again, like, I, I wasn't pissed off about it. Like I was very, very thankful they'd taken the time to do that. But mm-hmm. it really highlighted to me what the value of voice is. Because one yeah. very, very, very simple example that never has never left my head is quite early on when I was learning like in English classes and things, I was told the rule never in any circumstance mm-hmm. begin a sentence with and or because. Because obviously they're conjunctions, joining words. Mm-hmm. Um and they kind of combine two sentences together. So you should never use them after a full stop. When I started writing and I started reading more and more, I kept noticing more and more mm-hmm. ands at the beginning of sentences. 
because at the beginning of sentences so at the beginning of sentences because that's how people speak and the stories that I tend to connect the most with are the ones that sound like I'm in conversation with someone Mm -hmm. yeah I completely agree like the amount of times I will start a sentence with because Mm -hmm. I don't mean like every other sentence but sometimes you like you could start a chapter or a paragraph with because mm-hmm. it is yes it joins things together i'm doing this because of this but you can also say because of this this happened mm-hmm. which is a lot more um kind of native and colloquial to how i speak how the people that i know speak the people i grew up with speak um and so if i'm writing a character that is of that kind of ilk then of course like obviously if i'm writing a 18th century dignitary i'm not going to start any of their lines with because because that doesn't make sense and it's not in line but as my own voice as like the narrator if i'm doing like third person or in dialogue when people are speaking to each other no one adheres to strict english like grammar when they speak yeah that's not it's not a thing i mean maybe again like if we're talking like a couple of hundred years back in polite society in the upper classes you might get that but like still behind closed doors lower classes no one speaks like that it it, it just it's not a thing it doesn't exist and so to have perfect english in a work of art Mm-hmm. unless it's a very deliberate choice is like walking into someone's house two years after they've bought it and everything is white yeah and you're just like oh you you just you decide to cool it's all right it's one of the reasons i hate renting houses because they're all just cream and boring um yeah. but yeah absolutely and so you know the question i guess extends how do you get to the point in which you have a voice um mm-hmm. And the way that I kind of like to describe that process, as I say, when you when you first turn your hands to writing, you're much more focused on word choice and quote writing correctly, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's an element of that. But the, the more confident you're writing, the more loose you can get with those kind of guidelines. But I kind of um, I'm sure I've mentioned it on, on something else on this podcast in relation to this kind of topic. But my argument is if you compare it to how you would learn music, there are 13 keys that you can arguably press you've got your a through to your g and you've got your sharps and your flats um but all music that's ever existed has been created with 13 notes mm-hmm. when you learn music you learn the sound of each note you learn your chords you learn your scales your arpeggios and you learn to copy other people you read sheet music you learn that piece you copy exactly what they're doing you get their tone you get their tempo you get the rhythm you get all these other musical terms I'll throw out there that I'm not 100% sure are correct. Um, <laughs> I play guitar. Uh, but all of these different things, you you learn by emulation. So you get better by going, how did they do it? Okay, that's how yep. they did it. And you begin after a time to internalize how other people have done things. And it's only really once you're confident that you know how other people have made things that you can then start going like, oh, so if, I don't know, Bach did this, but I want to add this note in and kind of slow it down a bit you start to create the original stuff. And again, it's just, it's a process and it takes time. So similarly with writing, we all have 
in uh, UK English anyway, in US English, or just the English alphabet, we all have the same 26 characters that we can write any story from. Yeah. When I was writing my first stories, and I make no secret of this, of this at all, they were very much very heavily me testing people's style. So the first story I ever put on the Other Stories podcast was essentially I just finished reading Terry Pratchett. And so oh, I made, it's the miner's door, wasn't it? That the one? miner's door. Yeah, it's very yeah. absurd. There's lots of dialogue. Um, it's a weird concept that I've since kind of gone back and made a bit darker. But like that was Ter- that was Terry Pratchett. Um, mm. Sins of Smoke was hot off the heels of reading. Um, I can't remember what specific Stephen King it was. I was I was heavily into Stephen King at that point. Um, the gunslinger by any chance? No, no, you'd think because it's you Western. Would, yeah. But yeah, no, um, I can't remember what it was. Um, but you know, Ray Bradbury had an influence, Clive Barker had an influence, but I I would sit down at writing sessions, I would spend the first five minutes reading and very critically going like, okay, so his sentences are that long, that paragraph's in there, like it's not much dialogue here. And I would I would do that. I'd essentially copy their style into a mm-hmm. story I was trying to write. And while that seems clunky and heavy and whatnot, again, it's part of the process. Until you've in- internalized the mechanisms of mm-hmm. how to write a story it's very difficult to start layering your voice into things. Um, yeah. And I will say that kind of on the importance of voice as well, very, very good example of this is at one point in his career, uh, Stephen King wanted to put out work to ask the question, is this successful because it's good or is this successful because I'm Stephen King? Mm-hmm. And so he started for a while writing under a pen name, which was Richard Bachman. Um, and he put these books out and people read these books and went, this is Stephen King. <laughs> and it was very, very similar. I don't know if you know this story either. We were talking about Ronnie Barker the other day, but uh, mm-hmm. English comedian Ronnie Barker, who was famously part of the two Ronnies um, sketch group, he did the same. He submitted sketches for his own show under a pen name in the hope that, like, you know, people would read it and go, this is good. And what people did went, this is Ronnie Barker. Like, yep. if you have a strong enough voice, not only does it lend to a really engaging story, but it gives people an expectation of what to expect when it comes from mm-hmm. you. And kind of just wrapping up my, my diatribe here. One thing to try not to worry about too much, especially when you're early writing is an inconsistent voice style. Because again, like my first few stories in different genres and different things, they all sound massively different. Like my Caitlin Chronicles reads incredibly differently to when winter comes, which reads very different to they rot. Like there's yeah. lots of different styles. Um, and over time, I feel like I'm now really only just getting to the point where I know what my voice is, particularly mm-hmm. what it lends itself to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i definitely, like, obviously I'm a lot earlier in my writing when it comes to kind of books and things. It's weird, like, the more I think about it, the longer I realise I've been writing and storytelling and all the rest you of it. You have a very distinctive voice in your writing. I like it is it's one of those things that for me when I first sat down to start writing um Air to the Universe the first time it it was kind of the one thing that I I was comfortable with and I think that's because like I say I've been storytelling it in one form or another most of my life like it kept me alive as a child you know, it it was a survival technique. Um, I trained as an actor, and that is all about understanding and internalizing story, so you can tell it truthfully, 
but even with that you know we all have our own mannerisms and and all the rest of it um and so yeah for me i i'm quite comfortable in my voice i've not really ever given it too much thought but again i think i i sit in this weirdly privileged place of ignorance a lot of the time when it comes to kind of techniques and all that kind of stuff because don't underestimate that the the more you know sometimes the less you know yeah well this is but this is why i say privilege because i think i've I've never been in a position um in my family we've we've i don't come from money like in any (laughs) like in any aspect like i grew up in the class below working class um and what that meant is that you know there was no money for music lessons or acting lessons or any kind of extracurricular things so anything that I wanted to do I could never learn the technique of I could only watch and emulate other people yes and when you don't know anything you're not emulating technique. You're emulating what you see on the outside. You know, someone that has expert technique, you should never be able to see that technique. No. Like my drama teacher used to equate it to a swan. People want to see the beautiful swan gliding effortlessly along the glass of the water. They don't want to see the legs underneath frantically swimming. Mm-hmm. And the technique is the legs. And then what everyone sees is this graceful swan just moving perfectly and elegantly. And so I only ever saw the swan. I never understood or saw the mechanics underneath it. And so I have this kind of, like I say, this privilege of uh, a bubble of ignorance, innocence around a lot of technique and things, which means that I often will just jump in with the arrogance of this doesn't seem difficult because the people I've seen doing it make it look easy. It's Mm -hmm. not like I can do it because I can do anything. It's a, well, I've just seen Christina Aguilera sing and it looks really easy. So I'll give it a go. You know, (laughs) it's not like I definitely, I'm going to be like her, but she makes it look easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of like a lot of the stuff that, that I do specifically creatively is that's how I've learned. You said to me the other day, like, you know, how do you know how to do this stuff? And I'm like, I've just, I've seen other people do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I think I get it. I mean, that's like, you know, I I did my degree in English and drama and people are like, oh, that must really have helped with your writing. I'm like, no, we didn't really do creative writing. Like we studied historical, like Georgian literature and Victorian literature and all these different like analyses of literary texts. Like it wasn't, it was an experience where I sat down and was like, right, I'm going to write a contemporary story. Like once I wrote a story in college when I was 17. Um, and that's as close as I really got to any kind of experience in writing creative stories. And so like none of that was useful, but in reading, in being able to kind of like recognize because I've read so much now what people are doing and how the stories kind of, because we, we spoke about like with your acting and things, you know, in theater and drama, three-act structure, five-act structure, all that kind of stuff is ingrained into how you tell the story that you're putting out on show. So all of these mm-hmm. universal principles of what story is, is one thing. And then actually penning and earning your voice is another thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll add on that as well. Like for people that might be sat there going like, but I have no idea how to work out what my voice is or, you know, I can't, I, I don't think I have a voice. I will put to you at some point in your life, you will have written an official letter to 
a friend, an authority figure, something in which you have used very particular specific words that you would not otherwise have used in colloquial conversation. Mm-hmm. Alternately, that night you would have gone onto your phone and you would have typed a message to your best friend that was written in a very, very different style. Mm-hmm. This is voice. And, yeah. you know, I, I do benefit from my my, uh, my background in marketing meant that I had to adapt different voices to newspapers, to journals, to social media, to all these kinds of things. And one thing one thing I'll add, just because I always like to, to praise this guy whenever I get a chance, um, Luke Condor basically adopted the entire voice for the Other Stories podcast and the emails mm-hmm. and everything that we do. And it is fun and it is stupid and it is engaging and it is just absurd and quirky and and yeah Yeah. but like it's that thing now of like that is how we now write messages that's how we sell things and social that is how we send emails that is that's become part of the identity of what the other stories is Mm -hmm. um and there was another thing i was going to put on that yeah so your your voice that you're trying to earn the voice that you're playing around with extends beyond your fiction because again when when it comes to promoting your book you've got blurbs you've got social media like the newsletters that you send in some way you will find a way to craft a voice that will engage with readers and mm-hmm. like annoyingly it takes time and it takes practice but then so does everything so get used to it yeah <laughs> yeah it and you will you'll get to a point where like it's not something that you're thinking about anymore and yes. when you don't have to think about how to say something the story flows yeah so like i still you know when i'm editing and stuff i still look at word choice and all the rest of it or I might be um, writing a scene and I'm like, I know what I want to happen, but I'm not quite sure how I want to describe it. Like all of that stuff still happens. But when I figured out, oh, okay, like this is going to happen and I'm going to describe it right. Okay. And then like, no problem. It goes Mm -hmm. down. And I think it really is one of those things that it can feel very restricting to begin with because, you know, you feel like there's all these different rules about, how stories are supposed to be structured and, you know, chapter length and sentence length and all of this kind of technical stuff that, you know, is everywhere, um, particularly in the writing community, particularly in the indie writing community. You know, it we there's so many different podcasts and books and things that tell you kind of how to write, um, but the who of it is something that no one can teach you because it really, the who comes in the practice of it. And much like, and I know I constantly um, refer to acting, but again, it's what I trained in. Much like the first time I um, was learning camera technique and we had to be in a close-up, much like that, which felt to begin with like the most restrictive thing because uh, like a proper, a full close-up, like a real tight close-up is is literally just your face. I mean... Mm -hmm depending on like how stylistic the director's being you you might not even have like full borders of your head like the most you're going to get is kind of the top of your shoulder and a little bit of air above your head and you know I'd be talking and they'd be like cut you went out shot and I'm like how like I'm stood still and it's like because you moved your head like that mm-hmm. and so when it started the technique of it felt like entirely like it was strangling me and now there is so much freedom in a close-up because I can convey so much with an eyebrow raise mm-hmm. or a jaw clench or just a look to the floor. Yeah. And it's understanding those things. And when you do, and when they sink in, the freedom that comes with it mm-hmm. is incredible. So Absolutely. like, yeah, just, just keep practicing. 
Hell yeah. What is, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now. What is a good book for people to read of someone who is very, very voicey? Well, you know I'm going to go gaming. I knew it was coming. What book? You know I'm going to go gaming. So if I had to describe, I think, one book that is, I mean, honest to God, pick any gaming off the shelf. He's incredibly voicey. But my personal favourite is that, I was about to say, The Nowhere Line, then that literally almost came hey. out. Is Neverwhere. Um, I, just because the concept is is so ex- extraordinarily gaming like you know this idea that there is an entirely separate london underground that it consists of homeless people that are named after the places of london and the you know there are actually friars in blackfriar and mm. and, and shepherds in shepherd's bush yeah and all of this like it is glorious and beautiful and brutal and disgusting and incredibly voicey mm-hmm. um but like i would also say that for a very different type of voice a much more reserved clinical clean but still very much um a voice atwood yeah you know i was gonna go that as well for my two no i i thought you were gonna go john ronson oh no well john ronson but that's nonfiction, but it's still but it's still a voice oh you my can god still hear yes, him in the true. yeah yeah john ronson's voice yeah he is <laughs> he does you're not wrong i was thinking fiction yeah. he his voice is spectacular the yeah. driest like because that's who he is yeah mm-hmm. that's who he is so yeah, yeah. It is, um yeah. a few a few recommendations from mine obviously more on the darker side i mean you can't go wrong with like bradbury with clive barker with terry pratchett all those kind of people um for a few nuanced examples of ones that i've read quite recently that like blew me away by how voicey they were uh stephen graham jones wrote a book called mongrels which is all about werewolves yes. and things. It's a horror, but it's like deliciously voicey. I remember um, you like raving about that when you read it. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra Kaur's Hammers on Bone, which again is kind mm. of like a cosmic horror thriller. Um, the Road, famously, like it, it's missing so much punctuation because it's kind of alluding to the desolation of the apocalypse that you're walking through. And then uh, one that we've both been, uh, well, you've listened to it, I'm working through it, is Fourth Wing by uh, mm. Rebecca Yaris. Yes, that is very voicey. Yeah, very, right. very voicey in a way. If it feels like you're having a conversation with a fourteen-year-old girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a good way. Even though she's way. twenty, even though she's twenty, she is yeah. twenty because there are some incredibly on-the-page graphic sex scenes. So we should yes. point out that the main character is twenty. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, but yeah, so you know there are thousands of avenues to to work out how to get a voice. Again, it comes with time. Mm-hmm. You earn it. And yeah. as long as you stick with the craft, you take feedback and you keep learning, that's where the voice comes from. Like, I can't tell you at what point my voice came. I can tell you it's still developing because it never it really always, stops. I think it always is. Yeah. But there become, there comes a point in which you cross the threshold from I will get an A on my English essay to I've written a story that is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, just on that very quickly, because... You know, you brought up the school system, and you know I have very strong opinions on the school system, namely that it is it's great. and like it needs the biggest overhaul because other than the fact that we're teaching our children um how to do stuff that doesn't really fully exist anymore, like the world's burning. So who knows if they're gonna use the stuff that is helpful anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> what I will say is what schools do, other than categorise you into, okay, well, you're the smart one, so you'll be doing maths and lawyer, and 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 they kind of very quickly put you in boxes and shut down any other avenues, is that they teach you to a test. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you history. 
They teach you the world wars and a few other bits. They don't teach you religion. They teach you about Christianity and mention Judaism and Islam. Like, they don't teach a subject in depth. They teach things that they know are going to be on the test. They 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 teach to a test. Mm-hmm. That is how education works. And life, like, while testing, <laughs> doesn't have tests like that. You know, so follow your passion, follow the things that interest you and like dive as deep and as long into those things as you want because inspiration, voice, creativity comes from everywhere, not just the page. And it's through living and learning and like grieving and laughing and sharing wine like with friends and like crying by yourself when you feel like everything everything is lost. All of that kind of stuff, all of that shit comes together and makes voice and here it ended the sermon perfect well my sleeves down because i'm cold now we will wrap it up there for this week um so by all means if you have any thoughts about how you got your voice if you feel like you've got any questions or anything shoot them over we'd love to hear from you um just i don't really have any reminders at the minute just realized Um, if you want to join us over at activated authors yeah we have our free community you can join it at activatedauthors.com or activatedauthors.com forward slash join. Uh, as I say, no catch, free to join. Loads of channels in there to help you with your writing, to meet lots of people that are writing in similar genres to you, and just to help you along your little merry ways. Um, come on, come all, come all the different genres, because as I was saying today, it's so lovely mm-hmm. now that we are kind of graduating from just kind of generally fantasy authors. We're getting a lovely selection of horror authors and horror some authors. like sci-fi Cozy, and it's steampunk, thriller. It's yep. gorgeous having like all different. Mm. A whole buffet like of storytellers. <laughs> a smorgasbord, um, if you a will. A smorgasbord. <laughs> uh, but we'll end of the lesson here. So return to your snurdling, please. And we'll say a massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each and every week. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. One more time from myself and from Sam. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. I can't find the stop button. Activate your energy. <laughs>